It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. Aston Villa once again have failed to win a football game. Matt, talk to me. 3-0 against Man United. Ah, it's bleak. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's to make it worse, if it can get any worse in the situation Villa are in at the moment, gave us that little glimmer of hope again, didn't they? They, they? they played quite well for the first 15 or 20 minutes. Um, and listen, we, we all know that, that that dodgy decision is what's done for us. You know, yeah. that's not to, that's not to say that if that didn't happen, that, that Man United wouldn't have had the um, the quality to to steamroll us anyway. But I think that's what happens, doesn't it? When you've got a team who are who are bereft of confidence and who, even when they 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 put little patches of football together and they're still getting a, a kick in the you know what's like that, it's hard, isn't it, to summon up the spirit to go again. After that, yeah. and, and then I think even if they did, they go and concede on the stroke of half time, and then it's bang, it's all gone, isn't it? And you know, we've been watching it on the telly, and, and Gary Neville was was absolutely right that at one stage it looked like it could be five or six goals. Um, which I mean, I think I, I think the goal difference is, is gone and sailed, sailed away anyway. Now I think seven goals worse off than than Watford and four points. Um, but Again, we like to clutch for glimmers of positivity, don't we? And I suppose the only one that you can take is that, that United only ended up beating us by three rather than by six. There's a lot of uh, football cliches, aren't there, with that, the way you assess that first half, that the, techno- the technology mistake kind of kills you. The goal just before half-time kills you. Individual mistake. It's just it's just poor, isn't it? I remember doing an episode after, was it Wolves maybe, or after Chelsea? They all roll into one, don't they? When you keep losing, and just saying we're just—it's just poor now. The standards, as much as you can kind of hope that, oh well, maybe things will get better at some point. The standards just poor. We're just, we're just a team full of poor footballers. Like, what do we expect? Well, that—that—that's fine. Well, it's not fine, but yeah, that's right. The 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 quality's not there. But when you take away the kind of heart as well, yeah. You know, they just look like a broken. They just look broken, didn't they? They just look well, like they spe- on, the, on the pre-match show that we did. I said, or well, you know, the one positive is if we do lose tonight, two or three nil, but we're really close. Or we, oh, I was going to say we hit the post, which we did. But you know, we we give it a good go right to the end, and we play okay, and still lose. You at least look at that and think, well, there's four games left. Two of them are, are probably two that you look at as being winnable. Uh, Palace and West Ham. If we've seen something tonight, maybe. There's enough there to be hopeful about, but nothing is up. There's nothing from tonight that you look at and go, "Oh, well, at least this was okay. Or at least, or at least that worked." I think they just look like a, a defeated team, and even they look even like we basically. Well, I think so, and I think um, you know we've said, haven't we, that even since since restart, where the points have been accumulated at nowhere near a satisfactory rate, yeah. they've been in games, but. They did, they weren't in that game, were they? After, after from the moment that 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 penalty was given and converted, they weren't really in that game. 
Um, and, you know, you could say that, yes, next, you could, the Villa are going to be playing a team who aren't an informed Manchester United and they're going to be playing a team with, with less at stake than perhaps any of the teams that they, they've played um, played so far since since the restart. But what is it now, Thursday? Thursday tonight, is it? And they play yeah. against Sunday? So they're not going to have much chance to work on much. They're going to have a chance to kind of go back in tomorrow and recover, probably get a day off um, Friday potentially, and then well, tomorrow is Friday. <laughs> I don't know when the day off comes. <laughs> do you, what, what can you do? How do you lift? How do you lift them after that? I'm not sure you can at this point. I think it, I think it's difficult, isn't it? I think as professional footballers, and obviously we. We, we can't relate to that, but we've got the, the fan element of it, haven't we, where you would think that, well, if I go out there and give as best a performance I can, at least I can hold my head up. And if all of my other teammates around me can manage to muster, the, muster that up out of themselves, maybe as a team we can get something. But it just looks like they're either not, not interested, they don't have the quality, they don't have the confidence, they don't have the belief. If you've got no excuses anymore, I don't think, over the crowd being being a factor. Everyone has to deal with it. I don't think you can blame anything on fitness at this point. They've had three months during the lockdown to, uh, yeah, I know it's not normal training, but that's their time that the way you can sort things out if you're not quite fit, you can have, you can have that extra time. I just think that there's no excuses at this point. And, and we are, I mean, we, we look at it, don't we, and say, oh, well, we need to win two more, we need to get six, uh, seven points or whatever it is. Are we going to score again? <laughs> Do we look like scoring at any point? I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're going to score in anywhere near enough goals to get seven points. And I'm a little bit dubious whether even seven would be enough now. Well, yeah. So you might need eight, eight or more for four games. It's not going to happen, is it? Do, do the maths. It's not going to happen. It's two not wins, going to two happen. Draws. And, you know, relying on other teams to, to be in worse form and to pick up points at, at, a, at a slower rate. We've used up that, you know, <laughs> we've used up that particular yeah. uh, token. So yeah, it's lucky we're even in this position at this point. What did you think? <laughs> Bit of an open-ended question. <laughs> what did you think of the penalty decision? It wasn't a penalty, was it? <laughs> that, that, free, that freeze frame, I don't know if I can get it up in time, but there's a photograph in our system that I tweeted out earlier, so I'll try and find it whilst I'm talking. Um, Fernandez is standing on... Uh, Conta. So from that photograph, how is that then given as a penalty? How can how can there be something that happens in the next second of real time that can result in a penalty? Yeah, it's hard. It's I'd say it's hard hard to judge you on on one still still image. But I think there was enough from the moving images that we saw to <laughs> say it wasn't say it wasn't a penalty. Uh, I think it was possibly a little bit clumsy, but. That's the Premier League. Why, why are you showing me that? <laughs> I got it wrong, wrong now. Keep going. I thought we deleted that. I thought we were never going to see that again. Um, there we go. Yeah. Doesn't look Is that like a penalty? It doesn't look like a penalty to me, to be honest. John Moss annoys me as well. Oh, you know, John it Moss. Doesn't he look like, like a referee, it. does he? He looks like he's had a lovely lockdown, to be honest. Yeah. He looks nothing off the Yeah, I know, yeah, after us. But um I think I said it before, it looks like he should be propping up the bar in the wall pack rather than refereeing a refereeing a Premier League game. The thing is um, though, regardless of that, if John Moss does give it and he thinks that's the correct decision, absolutely fine with that. If that's what he's seen, fine, that that's uh, that's his decision. If that then goes back to the technology and they all watch 
the same footage that we all see and they see the freeze frame of this, how then did I go, yeah, penalty days. How are they not going, hang on, Joss, uh, John, Joss, John, you've got that wrong. It's not a penalty. Why aren't they willing to overturn these decisions? That's what VAR is there for, surely. I'm just annoyed. I'm angry. I've, I've just had enough at this point. Aston Villa are giving me a lot of grief and a lot of misery in my life at the moment. And what is what is the point? We tune in every week, don't we? And I did a tweet during the game. We tune in every week, kind of half expecting, oh, maybe something, maybe something will be different today. I'll say every week, every three or four days at the moment. It, it feels like we're in this weird kind of Groundhog Day scenario where I'm forced into watching Marley and me every every few days. I'll, I'll have a little laugh and a smile halfway through. Halfway through, there's a few good jokes in there. But at the end of the day, I know the dog dies at the end, and I'm going to be sad. That's what Aston Villa is, isn't it? I know. Oh, there's a little, little bit of hope, and we might score a goal. We, we don't at the moment, but back in the olden days, we used to score goals. And you have a little bit of a glimmer of hope every now and then. But ultimately, you know that you're never quite going to do enough, and you'll lose the game. So why we, it's almost like why are we disappointed at this point? Because we've, we've come to expect that this is what Aston Villa is this season. We're going to lose a lot of football games. But it's just the way that we're losing them. That we're not even scoring goals. We look sloppy. It's just, it's just really poor at this point. Yeah, well, I thought it couldn't get any worse, but I've actually, I've actually been saving Marley and me on DVD <laughs> to watch tonight, and I've never seen it before, and I didn't know, didn't know anything about the plot. I didn't even know there was a dog in it. Now you've ruined it for me. Now, to be honest, watch, watch the first half. You'll be fine. Just turn off after that. Much like yeah. that. Yeah, watch, watch for twenty minutes, and then. Uh... What did you think of the penalty then? The decision. I just thought it was sod's law, to be honest. I just thought that inventing new ways to kind of, you know, to, to cause a setback it wasn't a penalty. It clearly wasn't a penalty. But it's been given. It's been, I'm just watching it, watching it now again on, uh, on telly, actually, out of the corner of my eye. It's been given. It's been converted. And then there's one of two things can happen. You can feel sorry for yourself. You can feel the world's against you and you can let everything collapse in on you. Or you can try, and I'm not saying trying equally equals succeeding. You can try and use that as a kind of motivational force, that anger, that injustice. And you can say, yeah. right. You know, somebody said, somebody tweeted me saying, you know, I don't condone it, but wouldn't it have been nice to see kind of Villa fans berating the ref and kind of <laughs> anger and, you know what I mean? Really, really kind of, listen, I'm not, I'm not, 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 suggesting or advocating a witch hunt for um John Moss, but it's just you don't see it. You don't see you don't see evidence of the fury and frustration and disappointment and embarrassment that we feel as fans. I know, and there is a disconnect because we're forced to be away at the moment. You don't see that manifest itself in the players, and I don't. I don't. The players don't need to be fans to feel that same feeling. Though. Surely they feel that same injustice that we've been robbed here. Oh, I want to get up and stand up and do something about it. Whereas I just seem to kind of go into the shell and think, oh well, I can hide and I can get away with it. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't interpret it as them not caring. I just think them interpreting it as the world's against us. Whatever we try to do here. We're not going to have enough. We're not going to, you know, we've we've not got the necessary tools to go out and do this. Uh, and I think it was just that sinking feeling. And you could just, you know, there's a couple of references to the body language, and you could just, yeah. you could just feel feel tonight. Nobody really expected Villa to 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 beat Man United or to avoid defeat against Man United. Nobody really at the start of the night, if it had been three nil, would have it wouldn't have surprised too many people. Yeah. But there's something over and above that tonight. There was the feeling of life, of Premier League life seeping out of Villa. 
tonight, which made it that extra bit kind of extra bit harder to swallow, really. Um, yeah. <laughs> just before we carry on, can you just tilt your laptop screen forward a little bit so we get a bit more of you and less of the lovely backdrop you've got there? What is that? Is that like that. The, That's the my curtains. It's my silver curtains. I was going to do this. I normally nice. do this in the claret and blue backdrop drop in my son's bedroom. Uh, but my wife, my wife said he, he got to go half to bed. Ten, he's in bed. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think he was in bed at half time, mate. To be honest, oh, I wish I was uh, in bed. To be honest, it's bleak. What, what are the what are the, the comments saying? Um, just a lot of misery. To be honest, there's a lot of comments coming through. To be fair, so thank you for, for sending it through. Um, embarrassing sack all of them. That's <laughs> a joke. Is this about Villa or about us? <laughs> Probably, could be either. Um, Sterling Wilson says we've been resigned to this for some time now. That's a, an interesting one, really, because I've always said to you privately and on podcasts we've done that I've kind of felt, well, it's not over till, it, till it's over, isn't it? And it still isn't, as much as I'm very, very downbeat at the moment. We weren't using today's game as a, as a target point of, oh, that'll be a game where we'll get something. It's now just that window for getting points is obviously one game less. You need six or seven points and hope that's enough. And that means being only losing one of the next four when we've lost however many it is in a row. It's it's very unlikely, isn't it? But if you do go on and beat Palace on Sunday now, which sounds mental, that's actually scoring goals and winning a football game. But if you do go and beat Palace and then that gives you a bit of momentum and you nick something against an Everton and then beat West Ham on the last day, and that's enough. We'll all be sitting here and going, absolutely amazing. I can't believe we've got out of it. But as it stands at the moment, a lot of fans are now thinking, well, that's it. We're, we're done for. It's, um, I introduced you to a poem the other week, Dan, by Rudyard Kipling called If. And that poem doesn't include, it's called If, but it doesn't include the word If anywhere near as much as what you say about If, if Villa did this, if Villa did that, if my auntie had blah, 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 she be my uncle. Um, At this point, I'm trying to be devil's advocate to be the other side of the coin. Obviously, mathematically, it's still possible, isn't it? But I think the the, real, the realist in meaning in all of us is now looking at it thinking this is a pretty impossible task for Villa. Do you disagree? No, I agree completely. I agree completely. I think it would absolutely, be, absolutely represent a miracle if Villa get out of this now because they're going to have to do something that they haven't done for a long, long time, and that's win football matches. And they've not even given a hint that they're capable of winning football matches, really. Um, it was, um, did you hear um, Did you hear Roy Keane taking Villa apart at half-time? So, oh, I left the room at half-time. I couldn't be bothered to listen to any of it. Oh, right. Um, just Tell kind of, just digging out, digging out the way they defended for the for the second goal, really. Tyrone Mings didn't, um, was, oh, a, yeah. was, the, was the target of a lot of, um, a lot of Roy Keane's <laughs> wrath, to be honest, just, yeah, I think I think he said that it summed up the way Villa are, and I, I, I'd agree with him really because it was a stupid mistake on half time to give on on the halfway line to the gift possession in the first place, and then there was just a little bit of a half hearted attempt to protect the goal. Um, yeah. I think McGinn was was slow in getting in getting back, and Mings didn't do enough to try and get in, in the way of the shot and. It was just it was a snapshot of why Aston Villa have the worst defensive record in the in the division in that one moment. Um, but that's the difference, isn't it? Kind of United break away, um, and Greenwood smashes that in. And what a player he is, by the way. Um, yeah. But at the other end, you know, in the in the early stages, Villa break. Trezeguet gets through on goal. 
comes back off the woodwork. They're not. Yeah. They're just not that decisive, not that clinical in, in either part of the pitch. Um, I want to talk about this comment I'll put up on screen from Chris, his, his first point about Jack. Says, Sorry, but enough is enough. Jack is playing like he's already given up, but let's be honest, he knows he's going anyway. What do you make of Jack? Because he has that chance as well, I think, before the Trezeguet one way. Conta puts in a great ball. You put in a couple of great, great crosses to Ferris for Conta. Um, for as much as we're all saying, oh, why is he playing a right back? He, yeah. His delivery looks good. Um, Jack takes it on his left foot. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying hey, he should have scored that. I think it's a little bit more difficult than saying he should have scored it, but maybe should have got it on target at least. Then after that, I think I don't know whether that's just a drop off in Jack's performance or the, or the team's performance as a whole. But that decision of the penalty was the turning point, and we were we were okay up until that point. Everything after that was a disaster, and it was it was just too easy for Man United. What do you think about about Jack? Yeah, obviously, he's not done enough since coming back from uh, lockdown, but. This whole kind of he already knows he's going, so he doesn't care. Narrative. Yeah, well, Conta, by the way, some of his deliveries were it was like like a De Bruyne, wasn't he? For the first <laughs> first ten minutes of the game, one where he was kind of crowded in uh, by the by the um, touchline and kind of was a, a standing st- standing start and just whipped one in. It was a great. Ball. I don't know whether that was for the Jack one or, or one afterwards, but yeah, good delivery from him. But yeah, I think Jack should have hit the target. You know, he's he's taking it on the volley, hasn't he? So it's, it's not easy, and it's a, it's a bit of an angle. But I don't. I need to go and declare an interest because I like Jack Grealish as a footballer, <laughs> as a person, and as a, as a footballer. I don't buy the theory that he's just kind of you know kind of given up, and you know, no, anyway, because I don't think. If Villa, as it, if it looks like Villa are going to go down at the end of this season, which is only what a couple of weeks away, yeah. then I think Jack Grealish is one of few who can hold his head up high and say, "I've done done my my utmost to to keep Villa in the in the division." Okay, even if Jack Grealish does leave um, Villa to go to the a northwest powerhouse in the um, in the in the summer. And it probably looks more likely to be Burnley than, than Manchester United on tonight's <laughs> evidence. But even if Jack Grealish does leave leave in the summer, do you think he will want to leave knowing that Aston Villa have been relegated? That all the work he's put in to trying to get Villa back in the Premier League and get them back back on the, the top flight stage where they should be. You think he'd be happy about that? I think if and when Jack Grealish inevitably leaves this football club, he would have loved to have left it in a place where, right, I've done my job, I've got Villa back to where they should be, kind of the money that that Villa get for me from a transfer fee can be reinvested into the squad to help them kick on to the next level. That yeah. that's the that's the dream scenario. Well, the dream scenario for Jack Grealish, <laughs> Villa could be where they were ten or eleven years ago and knocking on the door of the Champions League. Uh, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> I think the I think it would it will be killing him. This will it will be really really hurting him and. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I, I think he got dug out by, by Gary Neville on, on the commentary a couple of times, saying that... There was, there was um, one line from Gary Neville where I was like, yes, that's it. He said, he said he's either too wide or he's too deep. And that, yeah. that's the problems that we're seeing with Jack Willis. He's obviously been pushed far, way too far out on the left wing, which, yes, he had some success from playing on that left side during this season. scored some great goals. But he's less effective, isn't he, out there, for the most part, during the overall... Um, the overall play of a, of a match. He's less effective forced out on the, on the touchline on the left-hand side. Always picking it up on, in the centre circle with his back to goal, playing it off to centre-backs, floating around a bit. 
it's just he's not going to do anything there, is he? As much as he's a he's a great footballer, he's surrounded by some rubbish footballers that he can't he can't ping it off to someone and expect them to do anything. Or he's too deep and can't you know he's not going to dribble forty yards every time and score a goal, is he? So what can he do? It's, I think it's a catch twenty two situation for for Jack Grealish, and I think Dean Smith and, and his coaching team know that Jack Grealish is so very clearly the best player on that team that they indulge him in the sense that they they let him wonder and let him roam, knowing that if he gets the ball, he can affect the game more than anybody else. Yeah. And I think they let him do that because the more he's allowed to drift, the more the harder he is to pick up from from the opposition players. But in doing that. Jack Grealish, uh, and it's kind of almost like the kind of best player in the school football team. He wants to be the one who comes back and, and does everything. You know, he, he'd get on the end of his kind of raking passes, of his own passes, yeah. if he could. And I think he's frustrated. He wants, to, he wants to get on the board. He wants to make things happen, which is fine. But if you're doing that 40 yards further back than you should be, or even 60 or 70 yards further back than you should be, you're not affecting the game the, yeah. the way you should. Um, so it's more it's more him dropping deep than, than than dropping into pockets of space in wide areas for me. He can still do damage in, in wide areas yeah. if he's in the final third of the yeah. pitch. But it's when he comes and plays that kind of quarterback role. Jack, you can do that when you're 35 and your legs are gone. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? You can do this is this is my criticism of him probably 18 months ago before we kind of had that that surge the back end of last season. That it's like he's playing in his own testimonial. He thinks he can come and take it off the centre backs and stuff like that. He's fine, but Villa can't profit from a free kick if they win it on the edge of the box. Let alone if they win it win it on the, yeah. the edge of their own box. So he need he needs to have the discipline or be told to play further up the pitch. But I don't think, like I say, I don't think Dean Smith and, and John Terry and Richard O'Kelly want to do that because they don't want to kind of shackle him. And it's just one. It's an. It's just one factor in a whole series of kind of domino problems that are going to say domino problems. That sounds like an issue with a pizza delivery. Do you know what I mean? But they all, they all, all feed into one another. It is a bigger issue, but there are lots of other issues. Uh, But I don't, I don't take it as Jack, I don't take it as Jack tossing it off. I really don't. Is it just a lack of quality around him or a lack of trust that he doesn't feel like he can play it off to a Shreza guy or, into a summer or, or is it greed? Is he, does he want to be the kind of the main man and, and take the take the game to the opposition? I think it's probably the 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 same situation that has infected most of his his teammates. That it's crushing disappointment, and yeah. it's and it's morale that is plummeting through the floor. Uh, and even if you're the best player by a mile in that team, that's still gonna still gonna affect you. You still But, but should he be able to motivate the rest of the team as captain as well and as the, the Villa fan who can tr- who can kind of translate our feelings into the squad and, and try and pull them out of pull them out of the hole. It's quite a big task in it because you're asking him to you're asking him to replicate you're asking him to represent a 40,000 strong fan base. So be being the, the driving force there. You're asking him to be the leader, you're asking him to be the creator, you're asking him to be the talker. You know, he doesn't lack confidence normally, the lad, to be honest, but to ask him to do all of those things um, and not get the encouragement that his teammates are coming along for the ride, I think it's I think it's a, it's a massive ask. And because, because 
it happened last year when we had the thing at St Andrews and he responded so brilliantly to that and showed his maturity. I think we've kind of invested in him these super, super human, superhuman qualities. Um, he's just, a, you know, he's got magic in his boots, but he's just a kind of mere mortal. And yeah. there's only so much we, we can expect. You know, he, he's carried that team on his shoulders for so much of the season. You know, cut him a little bit of slack. You know, it's the wrong time. We know it's the wrong time for him to fail to shine. Probably you could say that last season in the playoff, the playoff final probably wasn't his best best game. When he's not having his best games, he needs those around him to step up. The problem yeah. he's got now is when he's not having his best games, nobody's stepping up. They're still looking to him to say, Jack, get us out of this. Get us out of this. He can't do it all the time. No, no, it's just it's frustrating, isn't it? Because they're professional footballers. Like it's a a level that I can't almost relate to. Like why aren't they putting it putting it in? Why aren't they looking like yeah, I'm going to be the man that saves Aston Villa? And I'm not just talking about Jack. I mean, as the team as a whole. I think it's because they're playing against the other team of professional footballers, most of whom yeah. are better. Yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? It is annoying, but it's it's not new, is it? No, it's, not, that. it's not a new phenomenon you know somebody asked me you know is it the difference that the the crowd's not there and it's not there is it to a point but the, the playing field's level by the fact that nobody has has crowds there yeah. you know it's somehow they've got four games four games to summon up something that has been missing for months yeah how do you turn that over in, well, it's, not, it's, less, not, it's I mean, not even like a week away is it it's literally three days well, let's let's um, let's talk about the elephant in the room, and I don't mean me. Uh, I don't mean John Moss. I know that that, uh, that grey thing behind you. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a big elephant's ear. Um, Dean Smith, is it is it too late to roll that dice? Oh, what get rid of him? Well, is it? I'm asking the question. I'm, I'm not. I'm not answering the question because no, no, yeah, yeah. Surely it's too late. It's got to be, hasn't it? Even if it was a normal season with four games to go, you wouldn't. Well, I know Birmingham have done it, but I mean, are they the kind of the, the poster boys for what what you should do as a football club? Do you know what I mean? Like, you, even in a normal season, if you had a month left to go, would that be enough time to say, "Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll make a change now," and that will that will make the difference? They've got four games in the next ten days or whatever it is. Who's going to come in now? And who who is that person going to be for a start? Who is going to come into Aston Villa now and put a relegation on their CV? Potentially, and um, what are they going to be able to do to make a difference anyway? And if it is just get rid of Smith and put John Terry in charge, he's there anyway. What again? What difference would that make? Do you know what I find the really interesting thing about this? And this is a massive cop out on my part, so apologies. I normally, what you can feel it when when a manager reaches his expiry date, you can feel it, and there's a lot of hype and nonsense and chatter that happens on social media and you hear you know what I mean you hear a lot of dissenting voices shouting really loud on social media and online my rule of thumb normally is to use the fan base on match days as the barometer and like always when the away fans start to turn you know yeah. you know the manager's on shaky ground social media is a very different thing to that but Let's not forget. Well, that's what that's what I mean. That's why I find it really difficult to kind of get a handle on this. 
I've got my own thoughts that Dean Smith's performance as Aston Villa manager has not been good enough this season. Well, I suppose you, you could you could probably say, well, actually, Matt, why don't you judge me on a 38 Premier League <laughs> game season? And if he pulls a rabbit out of the hat, fine. But to this point, with Villa looking adrift, Dean Smith's performance as Aston Villa manager this season isn't good enough. But the flip side of that is that... Aston Villa look destined for the championship. Dean Smith, to me, looks like the outstanding candidate to get Aston Villa playing and functioning and competitive and back out of the championship yeah. next season. But knowing football, knowing the, the Villa Park fan base, as I think I do from being a reporter for covering the club for over a decade and being, being a Villa fan for knocking on 35, 36 years now, do I think that my fellow Villa fans would have patience in the man with the relegation on his CV? Do you know what I mean? Do, do yeah. I think? Do I think? Do I think those would be the perfectly perfectly laboratory conditions to get Villa back up with Dean Smith at the helm? I'm not. I'm not sure. So I was just laughing there because there's been three comments come in that kind of side with the what you're talking about uh, <laughs> the side of the argument. <laughs> this one from Tony. You're daft. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark says, I can't believe you're asking that question, which I assume is, should should Smith be uh, sacked at this point? And uh, Sean said, why get rid of Smith? I don't blame him. I blame Suso and buying poor players. <laughs> you can't polish a turd. Which, yeah, rec- recruitment was an issue, isn't it? And, and still is an issue. Because we, you, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get the team that we needed to stay up. Can you write that down as a content idea for a future podcast idea? That can you polish a turd? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just think Aston Villa are in the last chance saloon. They've probably been in it for you, Daft. They've probably been in it for the last however long. He's a short, sharp shock. You know, it's kind of when you get what are those things called in casualty when you get the old, is it the old uh, defibrillator? defibrillator? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anybody? Could Big big Sam, I, I'm, I'm not advocating that at all. I'm not advocating it at all. Could Tim Sherwood come in and, and oh. kind of... Brandish <laughs> the defibrillators. I don't know. I don't think anyone could. I think I think that's the problem. Uh, I don't mean a, a massive wild card like you told me about someone earlier saying about uh, Pochettino. Nothing like that is, is going to happen. But even any one of these kind of relegation specialists, uh, an Allardyce or Pulis or whoever it might be, those kind of usual names that always come up. I don't think there's time even to be able to get anything now. If we just had 10 games left, maybe. But four games left and they all come in the space of 12 days or whatever it is I don't think anyone can do anything now surely it's the guy who's already there and knows the entire squad and what they're capable of Capable of. he's the guy who can change it if anyone can and I'm not saying Smith can change it because so far we haven't been able to he hasn't been able to motivate them or get the best out of them or whatever it is but surely if you say right well Sam Odar's come in you don't know any of these players you don't know anything about Villa you sort it out you've got 10 days that's insanity isn't it surely and I, you know, I, know you're only, I know you're only asking the question and I'm kind of throwing everything at you. I don't mean it to you directly. I mean to the point. So the point I'm making, the point I'm making, and I'm not, I'm not calling for, for Smith to go by, by any stretch of the imagination, but the point I'm making is Villa have got four games. This is now a four-game season now to save themselves and to save 150 million quid, to save the plan that Villa have kind of entered into with Dean Smith and with the structure yeah. that I've put in play. But four games to save it. So 
something needs to change. Now, does that change from within or does that change from, from outside? I've lost confidence that it changes from within, to be honest. I don't yeah. think I don't think it changes from within. And I'm really, really, really dubious that listen, it would be great, wouldn't it, if they did decide to make the change and they did did have that kind of short, sharp shock that kept Villa up under Sherwood. Um <laughs> back in whenever it was, 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even if that happened, and that, that would probably be best case scenario at the moment, that, that somebody by hook or by crook manages to keep Villa up. I don't know whether the short, sharp, shock specialist is the is the person, I'm, I'm just dreaming up some imaginary yeah, person, no, no, yeah, yeah. is the person for the longer-term game. But when, yeah. Sherwood, when Sherwood came in, and let's... Let's not pretend he had a, He would have had a much longer run up. I think he came in in February the thirteenth, fourteenth, two months towards the end of the season. When Sherwood would came in, if football wasn't such an emotive business, you'd have said to Tim Sherwood, "Right, here's a, here's a five million pound golden handshake. If you keep us in the Premier League, you can have that. You'll have done your job. You sail into the sunset, and then we we go and recruit a manager, new manager in the summer who can build." Yeah. But Sherwood does it, he delivers it, he keeps Villa up, he presses his pulse on the side of his neck. You know, we will forget the FA Cup final because that was a, <laughs> a complete mare, but he does it. But you can't then get rid of them because it's because it's football, because yeah. it's emotive, because we've all got an opinion and we all care. You can't then get rid of Tim Sherwood because you all you create a rod for your own back by appointing the new manager and saying, do you know what I mean? Saying, yeah, yeah. We've replaced the we've replaced the hero with this one who we think might work, but you've got to give him time to, to bed in. So I think it's that kind of situation. Listen, we, we're speaking we're speaking in very very broad hypotheticals here because Dean Smith is still in the job. All the vibes that we get are that Aston Villa believe in Dean Smith, believe in the yeah. project, and want to give him the best possible chance of getting Villa safe, and his best possible chance of getting Villa safe if he's, he's if he's actually still in the job. So I'm only talking around. I'm only talking around the subject. I'm only thinking what can change in the next four games and yeah. in the next two weeks. Yeah, because if you bring in an Allardyce, for example, let's just say him as the name rather than the person, that kind of type of manager, and he gets Villa up, uh, keeps Villa up in these next four games. Is Sam Allardyce the man you trust with the plan of Aston Villa for the next season and the season after that? Probably not, because if you then end up next season around the bottom three again, you'd be going, oh, well, we're going to have to make another change. As if, I suppose if you go down with Dean Smith this year and you trust him to get you back up, and that's the rebuilding process and you get back up with Smith, and then he kind of starts this Premier League plan again, that that makes more sense, doesn't it, rather than keep changing it? There's a lot of comments coming through about saying things like the first thing I'll do is is sack the recruitment team and get rid of Suso and all this kind of stuff. That's all well, well good for, for the summer, but that's not going to yeah. do anything in the next four games. I'm not saying that's no. what those people are saying. No, uh, I agree <laughs> that that the inquest, proper inquest about the, the recruitment and, and the failings there needs to happen properly in the summer. I'm thinking, is there anything? Is there is there a trick? Is there a party piece? Is there something that can still be pulled out in the meantime to get Villa get to keep Villa in the Premier League and other than and it's a very drastic one to, to change the manager. Um other than that, and again I'm not I'm not advocating it, I'm just discussing it. <laughs> just in case. Um 
there's nothing else, is there? The only thing, the way you can change it is if you've got personnel changes to make on on the pitch, and we haven't, have we? That's what I was talking though, about Louis Barry. I'll give him a game, chuck him in at the end, see if he can do anything. Is that really going to make a difference at this stage? I don't mean, again, to dig out Louis Barry specifically, but if Dean Smith has the, and the coaching staff have had this three-month break to assess what they've got, and we're still persist- persisting with this side that clearly doesn't look good enough, this is the best Aston Villa have got. There's nobody in that bench and reserves who are going to improve this side because if there, if there was, they'd be playing already. There's calls for, oh, give Horham more time, give Lansbury some time. What about Yotta? What about Barry Vasilev? If they were worthy of, or if they thought they were good enough to keep Aston Villa up, they'd be playing already in this post-lockdown era and they're not. So surely you're not, you're not going to make those changes before games to go. The starting 11 we've got now is pretty much the starting 11 for every game because they think this is the best team we've got. And that's the problem because that team isn't good enough. Listen, if Louis Barry, I'd love to see a glimpse of Louis Barry. If Louis Barry could step in, make his Premier League debut for the last next four games and save Villa single-handedly, I think Barcelona would come back in and buy for <laughs> 100 million quid anyway in the summer and then we'd spend it on um, players from the Belgium League. This is um, an interesting point actually for it, to count on what I've just said from Liam. He says, fresh players, Gilbert, Lansbury, for example, players that aren't used to losing games. I suppose that is the only... I mean, I know they're still in and around the squad, but they're not They're not playing these games. But then that kind of point only kind of computes in my head as if they've been kind of exposed to the barrage of 40,000 boos and stuff, the players that are playing now, and kind of get them out far and line and give Lansbury, yeah. Lansbury a go because, you know, Douglas Louise, for example, has been kind of cowered down by the, the Villa fans. We need to make a change because the, the players aren't being exposed to stuff like that. Yes, Lansbury Gilbert aren't aren't used to losing games, but does that make a difference in the way that football is played out at the moment? Again, it's it's changing some. It's trying to change something that's not working, isn't it? So I'm I'm, I'm open to open to, <laughs> to suggestions. To be honest, I think uh, Lansbury's a strange one, isn't he? He's such a gifted. He didn't player. get games in the championship, did he? So yeah, he's such a gifted player, but he's such a luxury kind of enigma as well. You know. He strolls around like a kind of Rolls Royce when you when you put him in the in the League Cup in the early rounds. You think, wow, he's brilliant. <laughs> and then you put him in the Premier League, and you think, uh, is he playing? Um, this is, I mean, this this is the very definition of being an Aston Villa fan, isn't it? If you're thinking, you know, if we are talking about Big Sam coming to the rescue, and amongst us we're talking about Henry Lansbury coming to the rescue. You know, did this, was this the dream that we all had as we left last summer? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just a shame, isn't it? I remember saying uh, multiple times, and I'm sure it will get clipped out and posted around and, and laughed at at some stage if or when the inevitable happens and we go down. Of saying on the podcast that this kind of the fairy tale of this Aston Villa team isn't supposed to be relegated this year. This is supposed to be we get promoted. We've got Dean Smith as Villa fan as manager, we've got Jack Grealish, Mings, McGeehan, etc, etc. This team is supposed to be the start of Aston Villa rebuilding back to eventually pushing back towards the top half of the Premier League and Europe and everything else in years to come. This is the first year of that plan. But that's a fairy tale, isn't it? That was a a hope. And the the reality is that this team is destined for relegation. It can be relegated because the quality isn't there. That's the problem. And that comes down to recruitment, poor Decisions, poor game management. It's just poor around, isn't it? Well, I think, I think Dan, as recently as Tuesday, I think we still <laughs> thought we might just fluke it. I really do. We still oh, might, though. We still might, because this wasn't... <laughs> I know I sound mental at this stage. But we all expected not to get anything tonight anyway, so why are we so annoyed about it? 
because we all expect not to get anything on, on Sunday and next week and, and the following week. Yeah, but didn't we already think that a few days ago then? Surely tonight wasn't the turning point losing against yeah, but, fourth yeah, place Man United. Yeah, but all of the clubs were still in, well, enough clubs were still in touching distance then. For yeah, us true. To, for us to overhaul. If it was still one point to Watford, you'd be thinking, oh, we still might do it. The fact that it's four points, that gap is just too much now. What's the um, what's the biggest mountain in the world? Everest, I think. I don't know. I'll tell you what the biggest mountain in the world is. That four points between Aston Villa and Watford. <laughs> it is. It just it looks impossible to scale. Yeah. But it is impossible, isn't it? It's, it's very difficult. If you were still looking at it 10 games ago, you although we did the same back then, didn't we? We looked ahead and going, well, these are the games where we'll pinpoint where we might get something. And each week it's just been, well, that's one game less where we can't get anything now. And now we're left with four games to get a minimum of six points. And like someone just asked, you know, do you think six points will even be enough? Don't, I don't know. Probably not, no. Six won't be enough. Put the table back up again, Dan. Jump to the table. Oh, hang on, then. You're going to have to feel for a sec while I find it. Villa on 27, is that right? Let me get rid of this comment as well. Hang on a minute. Things are all just going wrong here. Oh, come on, get Dan. I blame the filming. Do something. Talk. What do you want me to do? <laughs> I don't know anything. Do you want to juggle? Right, um, I've, got, I've got the table. It's fine. Go on, I've filled, filled myself. Oh, no, hang on. Wrong tab. Bear oh, with us, everyone. It's all gone wrong. <laughs> just so, we can, just so we can see the misery of the Premier League table. Uh, I don't know why we're doing this to ourselves, to be honest. There you go. Right. So, Villa on 27. And we're yes. saying six points will get them to 33. So, we're saying that in the final four games, Watford are not going to get more than two points. Well, what's Watford's fixtures? They've played Norwich and... No, they played Norwich. They've got West Ham, is it? Or Newcastle or someone like that? Don't put me on the spot, mate. You should know this. Yeah, let me find it. Oh, just do this live. Who cares? Let's just go through Watford. What we got? Oh, look at this. This is exciting, isn't it? (laughs) Behind the curtain. Yeah, so they've got... Where are we? Ninth. They've got Newcastle, West Ham and Man City and Arsenal. So if, if they get a zero out of the next two, you would think they're not going to get anything against Man City and Arsenal but they're probably going to beat Newcastle or West Ham, aren't they? And that's already three points more than the two you've just said. Villa need at least seven points, which we've said before is two wins and a draw. Um, it's, I think it's beyond the realms of possibility, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, interestingly, Ben Teke back on the score sheet, wasn't it? <laughs> wasn't it the other night? Um, you know, Gary Cale coming back to Villa Park, uh, after we, we thought that he was one of the ones. It's, it's, it's easy, isn't it, in hindsight. Martin O'Neill used to have this phrase phrase um, when he used to pull me apart for, for, for criticising. Well, God, imagine criticising O'Neill now. Um, <laughs> he was silly, right. silly man. <laughs> but, you know, he used to have this phrase, it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback, I think he used to say, which it's easy. It's, easy. it's Basically, it's easy after the event, isn't it? It's easy the benefit of hindsight. Um, okay. So, where we are again, isn't it? We'd love to put stick Gary Cale uh, as as a kind of proper bloke with a bit of experience and a bit of nous and a, and a, a few miles on the clock in, at, at the centre of, of Villa's defence now, and we're going to get a reminder. You know, all these things now we're finding that we're picking apart the the recruitment now. Back last summer, we're kind of it was all we were all still kind of you know high on the excitement of, of winning at, winning at Wembley and all these kind of 
these kind of players that were plucked from 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 leagues across across Europe were all all super excited about. Now it looks it's staring us in the face, isn't it? That we needed we needed a little bit more nous, we needed a little bit yeah. more experience. Um, but again, it's kind of it's it's like whack a mole. If we'd have if we'd have invested more money in players, Premier League experience in certain positions, we we wouldn't have had enough cover for the squad because the squad was thin. I don't know. It's the inquest is going to run. You know, let's not do it now. Let's do it in a couple of weeks' time when when the fate is, when the fate is sealed beyond beyond any doubt. There's going to be a lot of people who who need to need to be held account. There's going to be, you know, who did who did make these signings? You know, how many players can can hold their heads up high and say that they've they've given absolutely everything? Um, you know, can the manager look himself in the mirror and say that I should have done this? I should have done that. <sighs> It's, it's horrible, mate. It, it really is. I'm running out of steam. Uh, yeah, me too. I was just going to say, looking at our fixtures now, we're saying six points might be enough, so you need seven, eight or nine or 12, which isn't going to happen. <laughs> how many... <laughs> yeah. As I was going through the maths then, of how many each game each game was worth, I was like, 12? That's, that's silly. When you see those four fixtures there, how many how many points are we getting? And I want the, the comments to, uh, to chip in as well there. Realistically, even without your kind of claret and blue bias and hopes of positivity, Palace at home, Everton away, uh, Arsenal at home and West Ham away, whatever home and away means at this point. How many, I'm going to um, go for three points from there. Now, whether they come in one euphoric single um, bundle in, in one game with a victory or whether they somehow eke three draws out there, I'm going to go for three points. Am I being optimistic or... I think the points total is fine. I think three draws seems weird <laughs> out of four, just because we can't, we just don't seem to do anything at any point. So I think it will be, if it is three points, it would be the case of getting one lucky win out of one of those there. And it probably would be West Ham on the last day. And you're already down by that point anyway. How many points have they got since lockdown? Two. Two, I think. Yeah. Two from six, is it? Yes, so they've got two points in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Two points from the last ten games, I think. And I'm so predicting now it is, now it is, now it is seven from four. <laughs> I'm predicting three from the next four. So even even my three from the next four sounds outlandish, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that that run of fixtures there, Liam Liam McCallion, If you were kind of looking at it on paper traditionally beat Palace, draw to Everton, lose to Arsenal, beat West Ham, that gets you to seven. And kind of, if you take away the current situation of what we've just seen against Man United and the football we've seen from Villa so far, not being able to score goals, all the rest of it, that those run of results there don't sound impossible. But then when you bring back into the context that we can barely score a goal, we're full of individual mistakes, you do look at that and think, I'll be lucky if we, I think I can even see a couple of goals in that run of uh, fixtures there, let alone points. Liam's actually kind of given me a little, a little glimmer of optimism again, because uh, as as I know games aren't played on paper, but as a run of fixtures, it looks it looks like it should be possible. But that would be us kind of just kind of putting out of our mind everything that we've we've seen yeah. in the last month, <laughs> wouldn't it? 
Yeah, but you kind of have to, that's, that's what I mean, you have to ignore all context of what we've seen of Villa so far and looking at those fixtures, you do think, oh yeah, you know what, all of a sudden you start in your brain, you start thinking, oh yeah, but that might be possible, we might do that, you might beat Palace at home, you might beat uh, draw to Everton and then beat West Ham, we were still down there, that that sounds possible, then you realise we don't score any goals, so how are we going to do these things? But it's like kind of unlearning any everything you've ever been taught, it's like me jumping off the top of a cliff and surviving. Seems possible if I unlearn everything I've ever known. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I think it's quite, is, it's quite a leap of faith, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think this is the point we'll end on as we hit 45 minutes. Jeez, where did that time go? Uh, from Dean Coles, he says, "Does Dean Smith go all out for winning every game, or try and nick the win like we've tried to all season?" That's probably the change, isn't it? That we were talking about earlier. How do you change what what's not working so far? Trying to nick nick a win here and there isn't going to work when you need six or seven points from four. You, you've got to go out now and, and take the game to every opponent, which makes you kind of think, why why haven't we done that since lockdown? Or why have we not done that all season? What does go all This is a very question of somebody who's not used to winning football matches. What does go all out for a win mean? Does this mean, <laughs> per, does this mean personnel? Does this mean... Well, that not sitting that, back and trying to make two goals in the first 20 minutes and then hoping that that's enough. Does this mean that you can't play with a front five in effect? I don't mean five centre forwards, but I yeah. mean your two centre forwards, your two wingers, Jack Grealish in behind, and then you trust your back your back six. Yeah, like you say, why is that not been a thing anyway? I know. Why is well, that we not been a thing? We said at one point it will be do or die for Villa and they'll suddenly have to turn a switch and go, I've got to find something within myself to, we have to win or we're going down. And we said that six games ago. This is the moment Villa now have to go, right, this is it. We've got to start winning games and we'll go down. Six games have passed by then and we, we still haven't really, yes, we've got better a little bit. We are okay for an hour against Liverpool. We are okay for 20 minutes a day, but we've never once really looked like beating any of these teams. And now we need to beat two of two of four or three of four. It's not going to happen, is it? It might happen <laughs> as a preface for when we can come back to this in three weeks' time and go, oh, yeah, we stayed up. But it's very unlikely, isn't it? Oh, can I get a bed name? Yeah, it's late, isn't it? Yeah, it's I late. want a cup of tea and a packet of Monster Munch just to kind of cheer me up. And what flavour for the Monster Munch? That's important. Pickled, pickled onion. Classic. I like the beef, yeah. the beef and ox, the yellow packet. I've never had a bad Monster Munch, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, that's, that's the Villa letdown routine, but Monster Munch are always there. Yeah, always reliable. Well, I mean, Villa, don't, Villa are reliable, but they're reliable in a bad way. We know we're always going to be rubbish. Yeah, Villa play football like their feet are the same shape as their monster <laughs> munch, don't they? Uh, you can tell this, in their boots. You can tell this is one of our late night podcasts where we slowly descend into madness towards the end. But we've tried to cover the talking points of Aston Villa best we could live as well for the, for the first time, which we've obviously never done before. So thanks for everyone for tuning in there's a lot of comments coming so it's nice to see that people are engaging with us I saw a couple of comments from Newcastle fans saying oh are you going down to an army and all the rest of it and someone replied uh, you must be really bored to watch this if you don't support this club and I thought for a second they meant that every Villa fan would be bored watching us speak which is probably fair to be honest but for an opposition fan who's watched 50 minutes of us talk about Aston Villa then get alive <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to give a, a bit of a an outro and a bit of uh, housekeeping, like usual. Yeah, like I said, thanks for um, thanks for thanks for joining us. We're experimenting with with some of these live platforms at the moment. You can see, you know, if you're not um, 
those of you who haven't had the pleasure of joining us live, we've got a um, podcast platform um, called Claret and Blue. You can see the branding in the corner of the screen, hopefully, which we've got a YouTube channel that we try and vary up a little bit. We try and have topical discussions about how miserable it is watching Aston Villa. But we also try and have some fun features like stupid quizzes and, you know, the the, the World Cup of the best Villa shirts. Um and probably the, the 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 higher quality end of our of our output is some of the interviews that we've done in recent weeks during the lockdown with the likes of Mark Brighton and Gabby Bonahor, yeah. Paul Faulkner, uh, Stephen Cook. Which, if you don't remember him, <laughs> I urge you to seek out the podcast. It was a brilliant story. Um, so yeah, get on over there and, and catch up with some of the stuff that we've done. It's not all me and Dan. It's not all just me and Dan being doom and gloom. There's some good, interesting insights and, and features there as well. Uh, launching a newsletter that will bring you up to speed with that weekly, which you can have delivered straight into your inbox. So we'll drop the link into into the comments section here if you want to get subscribed to that. That's coming out next week. So we want to... God, it sounds like... Um, I don't know, it sounds a bit cliched and a bit um, a bit twee, this, but Villa's more than just that kind of 90 minutes, isn't it? That 90 minutes of misery on that... that Big, yeah. <laughs> big, big rectangle of grass that we, we we've been deprived of at the moment uh we want to kind of develop a community and have a whinge have a laugh um rejoice in the rare moments of, of joy that, that that villa that villa give us uh and just yeah just get involved it's um it's nice to know that we can suffer together really it is a bit of therapy yeah so i hope is that is for the people that have been watching this on the YouTube channel already, after this has gone out, not live, you can also go back to our Facebook page, which is in the uh, description links and everything are down below, where you can go back and watch these things live, which we'll be doing more of at some point. I think we're going to try and do it on live on YouTube as well at some point, but need to work out the technology for that at some point. But we're trying to do more live stuff just because so we can get it out quicker. The audio quality might not be what it usually is, but we can get this out now at 11 o'clock rather than having to do a couple of hours editing it. One o'clock in the morning on a Thursday night. I say we. I would have to do that. So yeah, everything goes out live a little bit quicker, a little bit easier. We can interact with fans directly as well, which has been nice. I say nice <laughs> talking about Villa being rubbish, but it's nice to know, like you said, we, we could all do this together. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy to finish if you are and uh, go to bed. Yeah, thanks for your time, guys. We'll um, be here on Sunday celebrating <laughs> a glimmer of hope after we squeeze a 1-0 victory over Crystal Palace with a Gary Kale own goal. Come on! <laughs> Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your thoughts and comments. 